0: The word at work from Fertility Matters at Work is a conversation about fertility and how it affects people at work. You'll be hearing from our community about what they experienced whilst trying to build their families, as our aim is to help you better understand this issue by sharing these stories. We also share our insights as we're now two years into doing this work. Plus, we're talking to the trailblazing organisations who are making these cultural changes the norm as well as bringing you thought leaders from the workplace well-being space.
1: It's the one part of your journey that you are really anxious about, and that's not being the legal parent of your own child and having to go through a lengthy parental order process, which is costly and in motion and time and money. So, yeah, everyone welcomes that, especially surrogates. They don't want legal responsibility of a child that's not theirs.
0: Welcome to series two of The F Word at Work. We're back! And I'm actually sat with Claire and Becky. Yay! Isn't this exciting? Let's just set the scene. We are in an Airbnb in Leeds. We're about to go and host a round table event. I mean, since the last podcast series, our feet haven't really touched the floor, have they? With the amount of conversations we've been having from a webinar point of view, in-person event point of view, so many different things have gone on. How would you sum up? the last couple of months for fertility matters
2: it's been crazy but it's just it shows i think the real momentum of this conversation In it's just not stopping it's ramping up and we're being asked to speak at so many different events we're getting really positive feedback from the organizations we're working with and i think we've had some moments haven't we where we've been kind of doing an event and looking At ourselves and thinking, wow, we've come so far from where we were back in 2021.
0: And you'll hear that because we've got our members round table to share with you as part of this series but Claire how would you sum up the well, last few just, months
3: I was just thinking about um us labeling months so we had um yeah. what did we have manic march epic march. And, oh, epic, epic march and manic may and so I think we, had, bit, we had we had
0: reflective april didn't we
3: yeah I think we had a little bit of a dip but only a slight <laughs> one but it's, it's just made me laugh because I'm thinking back we've actually assigned a, a very busy term to every month since virtually march haven't we so that's what we're in now august
0: we're recording this in august the podcast will land with you in september and we mapped out september yeah. didn't we and that was a pretty epic yeah. full <laughs> sheet of events that we're involved with but not wanting to just you know blow our own trumpet i think we're just excited to still be in this position aren't we where Definitely. we're all still liking working together
3: yes that in itself <laughs> it's
0: is positive it was a positive And there's just so much potential. Now, we're starting series two with a conversation with a friend of Fertility Matters at Work, Mike Johnson Ellis. And I was really keen to get Becky and Claire to share their experience of being on Mike and Wes's podcast first. You went to Birmingham to a fancy studio. Yes, we did. And how did that go?
3: Oh, it's always amazing working with Mike and Wes, isn't it? Um, Their conversations are always just fantastic and they tease out the really important points about what we do in the surrogacy field. And they're just fun. Do you know they're fun people to be around and they're fun people to talk to? I think their passion is really inspirational for us and seeing
2: what they have achieved in the surrogacy space and it makes us realise what we can achieve in the workplace space and it's that collaboration that we're able to do with amazing people like Mike and Wes that helps us do more. We, we're not here to do this on
3: our own, we have a huge network of people mm-hmm. who support us on this journey. And I love that they champion us, they've always been our advocates, both of them, and you know, I'm going to shout out to them now and say thank you because having them in our corner just makes a difference to, to what we do and what we achieve.
0: So we're going to hear from Mike talking about the reforms with the whole surrogacy law and what's gone on. Before we hear from Mike, just Claire explain a bit about what you've been doing in the supportive work alongside my surrogacy journey.
3: Okay, so I've been meeting with intended parents who are using my surrogacy journey to go through their surrogacy journey and chatting to them about workplace rights and what what the barriers are and what the lack of education is doing and how policies are wrapped around to support these people and they're really insightful conversations. Again, you know, we talk about fertility not being on the workplace agenda, surrogacy is even more behind so, you know, there's an absolute need to get that conversation, that education out there to people so... And building resource around that that we can share with future people in this space so it's all really positive a lot of data gathering and some meeting some absolutely amazing sets of ips have been they've been just incredible people to talk to and these haven't
2: been quick conversations for you have they no it's taken hours of, because quite often workplaces aren't set up for these Supportive conversations around surrogacy and, and intended parents are having to educate as well, to as well as go through, navigate yeah. it. So I think you said recently, like less than one percent of organisations even mention.
3: Yeah, the, even the word surrogacy in their um, adoption policies, which is what surrogacy comes under. You know, just that basic thing that there's no nod to it. Just is a bit mind blowing, really. Yeah, it's that whole recognition piece, isn't it? If you don't see yourself recognised in a workplace
2: policy, You're not validated. Yeah, you think, right? What am I even? entitled to do they even recognise what I'm going through and that's your first impression of your workplace so how can we get more workplaces to be inclusive of surrogacy and intended parents and all these different routes to parenthood not just having a an IVF policy because building a family and needing help to build a family isn't just through IVF there's so many other ways.
0: And this is what we provide content and training on in our knowledge hub at fertility matters and i think if you're listening to this thinking oh my goodness how do i get my head around that when i'm trying to get my head around the fertility policy or the or the baby loss policy and i think that's a really important part that when we're talking with organizations about this conversation we highlight the many routes to parenthood and if people are starting to think there's just too much for me to get my head around you've got to do it piece by piece haven't you
3: yeah i was just going to say um that this can seem overwhelming if you're not in this space and you haven't heard of this before what I want to say to anyone listening is this isn't overwhelming it's just a very um, broad conversation that needs to consider quite a lot but you know we don't want workplaces to be experts in all these arms of this fertility conversation we just need some acknowledgement and understanding of the basics so this isn't anything epic that people need to deal with and it's not overwhelming it just needs if people need to enter this space and just have that natural curiosity around what what can i do to support my employees yeah and i I think what we found in some some of the organizations who are doing brilliant work is where they've
2: engaged employees who have lived experience yes If, if you're a hr professional and you're thinking right i haven't got any experience with this i'm going to have a go at writing something get those people who have the lived experience within your organization to feed into you to reflect and to review and feedback just so that your policy reflects those experiences because otherwise it won't be meaningful and I think that's Mm -hmm. what we found where the the very best work that's been done with our fertility-friendly employers is through collaborating with employees and and actually being more employee-led than HR led.
0: And it's seeing that across different working groups within an organisation this conversation is relevant like during Pride Month we yes. had organisations invite the Pride lead for their ERG to come and utilise our Knowledge Hub and realise that they can share content and so it's getting more people from the employee groups involved isn't it yeah it's
2: a cross-section of employee groups it's not just your women's group yeah Yeah. thanks men lgbt conversation you've got to make sure that all of these different people are involved and, and have sight of what you're doing and the work you're doing and can have input into it because that's how you engage them
3: and importantly this isn't just around pride month this yes. is a, a inherent part of your workplace policies. We need this to be a year-round conversation. I think we mentioned that when we spoke yes. to Mike and Wes, didn't we? People need to acknowledge this isn't a tick in a box in June that we say, right, we are helping LGBTQ plus community. This is an all-round embedded conversation in your workplace.
0: And one of the other things that... I talk about with Mike in this conversation is the awareness webinars that we've been doing for male fertility and him talking about that awareness piece specifically with gay men and their fertile health being really important as well. And so I think what you also need to think about when you you listen is what more can be done for the male conversation, straight or gay. How can you bring them in as Mike talks about, which is so I think poignant. Inviting men in to the conversation Mm -hmm. when they think it might not be relevant. So, have a listen to Mike, and we'll give you details at the end of how you can get in touch to get involved and start to hopefully implement more conversations like this within your organisation.
1: Thanks for having me back, firstly. I'm Mike, I'm married to Wes, and we've got two children through surrogacy, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a bit. But yeah, life started out working and setting up an organisation called Two Dads UK which started as an Instagram account which goes on to support gay, bi and trans and queer men understand their roots to parenthood through surrogacy and then we launched in 2021 My Surrogacy Journey which is a non-profit surrogacy organisation that supports people on journeys in the UK, in Canada, in the US and in Mexico City And we have the Modern Family Show, which is a family building event taking place in September of this year that we've been running now since 2019. So, yeah.
0: Now, hopefully you're hearing this episode ahead of the Modern Family show actually happening. So we'll make sure that there's details of it so you can still get yourself there because we were there last year. It was a brilliant show. Just amazing energy, brilliant speakers. You guys really do know how to put on an impressive event. So informative as well. And it's such an amazing opportunity for people who are unaware of their options, I think, for their routes to parenthood to really like learn more, but speak to so many people because you have exhibitors there, but also meet others who are going on the path with them and and I imagine people like probably buddy up and find that kind of allyship because it can be so daunting can't it?
1: It can and again we like to bring content front and centre that is trickier to find and whether that is talking about support when you're going through treatment at work and what that looks like you know previously there was an event that topiced that and that, that was clearly demonstrated in that it was our most popular session last year that you and the girls presented so yeah thank you
0: well, we're going to talk a bit more about what organisations need to think about. But just as a starting point, there's been massive changes in terms of new legislation. And I'd just like you to share what you feel will have the biggest impact on people who use surrogacy from the changes
1: that have happened. Mm-hmm. So we saw this year at the end of March, the law commission Release the final draft bill, which we've all been waiting patiently for. So, some of the standout wins there will be the new legal pathway to parenthood, and that basically states that if you use a regulated surrogacy organisation, then you will have legal parenthood granted from birth, and that is huge. That's something that we've all been campaigning for and desperately want. Both surrogates want that, intending parents want that, so that's a biggie. I think the other one, really, for the organisations like us, for my surrogacy journey will be the regulation which we welcome and the fact that we'll be able to advertise our services looking for surrogates which is something that you can't currently do so we'll be able to openly advertise and therefore talk about surrogacy in more of a mainstream way and break some of those taboos and educate people better about surrogacy so they're definitely some of the wins that i think will be welcomed by the community
0: Because that education piece is so important, especially when we're talking about the workplace. And how do you think that this ability to talk more freely about it will impact that conversation in the workplace and help organisations understand what else they need to be thinking about?
1: I think it's going to be huge. I think you you only have to look at when, you know, legislation changes, it improves public perception of that topic and when we will see the surrogacy law reform finally come through with new legislation that in turn hopefully will improve what people think and then we will start to see where some of those other inequalities exist and that naturally will flow into you know workplace and how policy is supported there so i think there'll be more ripples to come from the changes in the legislation not least of all with employers recognizing and understanding surrogacy better and how they should support their employees going on leave.
0: So just in terms of what's to come, because we know that the part one was issued like over 30 years ago, and is there going to be further amendments? And, And if so, with it taking such a long time to get to this stage that you said that you've been waiting so patiently for, are you hopeful that it won't take so long if that conversation really grows in the kind of public awareness?
1: Mm -hmm. So I'm considering these changes that these are once in a generation type legislative changes. Are they perfect? No. Will there be amendments? I think there probably will be. There needs to be a better pathway for those exploring international surrogacy. Currently, that really wasn't dealt with in this particular bill, which was frustrating for those people exploring surrogacy in places like the US or Mexico City, for example. So, I think there will be amendments to the parental order pathway for those people. But I think generally, especially the work that has been commissioned to do to date. I think you know we will hopefully see you know surrogacy arrangements act of twenty twenty three being that new bar of legislation, which is what we all seem to believe, but yeah, I think there will be a couple of tweaks, but nothing certainly. As big as what we've seen.
0: It must feel such a relief to have got to this point because ever since I've known you, you've kind of been waiting for this.
1: It's such a relief, you know, it's the one part of your journey that you are really anxious about. And that's not being the legal parent of your own child and having to go through a lengthy parental order process, and, which is costly and in motion and time and money. So, yeah, everyone's welcomes that, especially surrogates. They don't want legal responsibility of a child that's not theirs.
0: Yeah. Let's just talk a bit more about what it actually means for anyone who's listening who doesn't really understand the whole surrogacy process. You touched on some things about the impact on the surrogate and the intended parents. Just explain a little bit about the language around it and that
1: pathway. So I guess the new pathway sets out very clearly some new guidelines and some new preconception checks that need to take place when you are making a a statutory declaration, really. One of the big changes in the new pathway is the removal of CAFCAS. And where CAFCAS's job was to ensure the welfare of the child assessment is taking place, that now becomes the duty of the regulated surrogacy organisation. So it kind of shows you how important the Law Commission are they call the RSOs the gatekeepers of the new pathway. So we will be doing all of the preconception checks. So the DBS checks, the making sure that everyone has the legal advice, that the stat declarations are completed, that everyone understands expenses. And then also making sure that the welfare of the child assessments are also done with everyone involved, surrogates and intended parents. It also, by the very nature of the pathway, really sets it quite clear that independent surrogacy is definitely not the preference of what the latest bill is stating. And it definitely sets out that the latest pathway is far more compliant, more inclusive to organizations, and definitely is trying to deter people from doing independent surrogacy so that's kind of the rough framework of what's in place we're pleased for that because it, when we set the organisation up you know being regulation ready was something that we always wanted to achieve And making sure that everyone had the support from the get-go was how we've always worked. So, you know, this is what we've been waiting to see. And as well, the proposed regulator would be the HFEA. So the same regulator as fertility clinics will also be the same regulator for us, meaning therefore that everyone is working to a brand new code of practice for surrogacy and that we as organizations are accountable to the HFEA.
0: In terms of then the changes is there anything that you felt quite significant that has been missed off?
1: Mm, Yeah I do actually the topic of double donation was left out and I think it was kind of a step too far for everybody they didn't quite understand or found it very difficult to pinpoint the medical needs for people needing double donation and again, having a genetic link to the child, that the law commission found that that was really, really important. I disagree, if I'm honest, because I think the people that that really impacts are those that meet later in life or women that have gone through early menopause and trans people. And I think it was difficult for the law commission to group all of that into one medical definition right? Um, because it just isn't. Possible. There's a number of people that need double donation. So it's really sad that that is not going to be the case. People can still do double donation, but they will then have to go through an adoption route and then a more rigorous welfare of the child assessment through the high court, which is expensive and takes a long time.
0: So for anybody embarking on a surrogacy journey, they themselves have so much to learn, which I know is the motivation for what you guys have set up because you were pretty much on your own at the time that you became parents. What do you want organisations to consider when you're thinking about what people are embarking on in terms of their own awareness? And we're not expecting organisations to know everything, but just thinking about the things that people are going to need, inclusive language, understanding what access and time off people are going to need. Just talk to me a bit about that.
1: Yeah, I think, and I say this with a really big sigh because there's so much to do and yeah. pack here. And we'll get there, but there's a lot of education that we have to do on the very topic of surrogacy and many, many organisations don't understand it. So I think firstly, engaging with your employee base and understanding that families are created very differently and policy needs to be updated to reflect that so inviting the surrogacy topic to the policy you know call us to the party and let's talk about surrogacy the word adoption gets used heavily when people are going on surrogacy leave because everyone tags on the adoption leave policy you know we're not adopting our children we're going on surrogacy leave so let's call it that to really easy fix and again understand the process of surrogacy you know yes We are not physically carrying a pregnancy, but we are pregnant. Our surrogate is pregnant. They will probably and more than likely go off on maternity leave as they should whilst they recover. But as parents of a newborn child, we are also entitled to the relevant leave And we get that protected statutory. But again, organisations could do more to understand that topic, not only about LGBTQ people and how we family build, but, you know, those struggling with infertility that have to turn to surrogacy. Uh, You know, let's look at both camps that need surrogacy.
0: And how well are companies doing this? I mean, obviously we're working with you and as a whole all seeing more of these conversations happening, yet we are also working with you supporting those intended parents that are coming to you with big glaring omissions in the policies that they're finding available. And like you referenced that language around adoption and are you seeing more than you'd hope or are you getting to see some organizations that are taking this on and doing a good job of it?
1: Do you know what? You've got to celebrate all the small wins and you know, thank goodness you lot are doing the work that you're doing because you're bringing that topic to the table. And when we're having those conversations more regularly now If you've asked me this 12 months ago, I would have said it's still non-existent, but we know that organizations are listening now. We know that people are giving surrogacy the validity that it needs, that it is a form of family building and it is another form of reproductive science. So let's call it that. I am seeing organizations have great policy now and who are actively looking to engage with people that want to use surrogacy as a way to family build. Of course, there's loads more to do, but, you know, let's just stop and pause. I'm definitely seeing the ripple start to turn to more waves as people are hearing about this. And, yeah, this is something they need to change.
0: Which is great. That's exciting. And change is good. And we're seeing change. So we can only continue on the charge ultimately, can't we? Yeah, for sure. Now, I just want to, before we move on a little bit, just talk about like what not to say. Just for anyone listening who's thinking about introducing this conversation or they're looking at policy and like, obviously, there's a much bigger conversation about that piece of work. But just as a top line. Oh, my life.
1: (laughs) So, uh, yeah. Firstly, what I would say to say is engage first, you know, And, and what you don't know, ask rather than say something really offensive, which we've all had. What not to say? Oh, my God. People's perception of surrogacy is very different. And I totally get that. something that a lot of people don't quite understand. Don't say things like, oh, I've got a friend that did surrogacy. It's essentially buying a baby, going on maternity leave, paternity leave, shared parental leave. Why would you want to do that? You're a man why didn't you adopt before you embarked on surrogacy or why didn't you just adopt so they make that topic sound like that's really straightforward you know making assumptions as to why someone is going through surrogacy don't and in my situation my employer that I wasn't out to assumed that I was doing this with someone of the opposite gender to me so again don't assume anything to do with someone going off and building their family so the things of what not to say it's all those assumptions and often those microaggressions with regards to family building and if you don't know don't hazard a guess don't assume it put your hands up and learn because you will get more from that employee by then volunteering all of this really useful information that you can build into a really inclusive policy.
0: Thank you for that. And you alluded to your experience of your employer, and I will put a link in the show notes to the chat that we did with Mike as one of our F word at work lunch and learns. So you can hear more him share that story. But I just want to talk a bit before we move on to what's going on with you in your personal life about a session that we did together just a couple of months ago, where there was yourself and Sean Greenaway from Knackered Knackers. And we'd hosted a male fertility conversation for a construction company who were very keen to engage their predominantly male audience. And it was a first for us uh, working together in that specific capacity. Myself, you, and Sean—we've all obviously know each other. We've worked together before, and we talked it through. And we just went for it. And I think we all felt that it was a little bit of a significant moment of that conversation, kind of being elevated. I just want to get from you what you felt, some of the key points that came out of it, and that you think organisations, when we talk about male fertility, need to consider. Yeah,
1: firstly, it was a brilliant session, and I remember. the session was actually going on i quickly whatsapped you and was like oh my god this is so good (laughs) because you could really sense in the room that men haven't been listened to on this particular topic and men have been afraid to speak out on this particular topic And when we are looking at anything male factor, you know, it's always really hard to bring the men to that party, whereas this was so well attended. And I just think it was that light bulb moment of just thinking, oh, thank God that this is happening because so many men were bravely speaking out that, God, this really impacts me. Thank you for allowing this to happen. And I think it will also, employers will now realise How calling men into this particular topic is going to be so valuable to look after that employee base, not only to engage with them, but to listen to them and support them. But it's also great from all elements of talent acquisition and retention that usually on a topic of family building or fertility men are not called in to that topic so let's call it out and let's bring the men in and you know start developing policy around men's health just like when you go into some of the bathrooms in service stations where you can now start seeing more information about men's mental health or how to check yourself correctly to understand your fertility you know Just little signposts like that. And the response from the audience was like, my gosh, this, it's time we did this. So I loved it. It was one of my favorite sessions that I think I've done this year.
0: I'm so pleased. And also just highlighting that it's all men we're talking about, that infertility doesn't discriminate whether you're straight or gay. And it was, I found it really insightful hearing the surprise, you know, that you'd experienced others in your community have experienced because when would your fertility be tested, you know, until this point of trying to family build?
1: And that's it. You don't. You certainly, as I think gay men, we think we're immune from it because we aren't reminded enough as men and as gay men that we should be checking our fertility and understanding what our sperm health is like. And have we done anything, lifestyle or diet, that is going to damage that? And what are those factors? And all of that is really important and really interesting. And and openly to talk about, you know, my own sperm health declined massively from having our first baby. And, And part of that was lifestyle changes and stress and a specific diagnosis as well. But, you know, it was all a factor as to my decline, but very quickly can be corrected if you know how to.
0: Now, we're talking in the UK, so I'm going to make a very UK-specific reference, but did you see a couple of months ago the Channel 4, the Celebrity Save Our Sperm documentary? What did you think of it?
1: Again, I think it's another brilliant platform for men to openly talk about asperm and not be embarrassed and talk about our balls and, you know, talk about the conditions we may or may not have had or do we check ourselves regularly in the shower or the bath? And understand what is inside us and how is it made and how can we influence it? It was a brilliant show.
0: And also the fact that changes quite quickly can be made. I mean, unlike women who are born with their eggs, you can improve your sperm health in like 90 days, can't you? So you can make a difference with those lifestyle changes.
1: Totally. And understanding that the sperm that is inside us today was created 12 weeks ago. So what were we doing then? That isn't going to impact it and what can we do in the future to make it better and that information is key so yeah. many men don't know that
0: yeah I thought it was a brilliant show as well and again I'll put links in the show notes if it's still playing if it's not Blame Channel 4 it's nothing to do with me if you're not listening in the UK apologies but just finally Mike because it's been lovely as always chatting with you at the time that we're speaking you are embarking on further family building which it's so exciting to hear just explain a bit about the where and what and when you're going to hopefully bring another baby home.
1: I know we have decided that we want to extend our family. We feel very privileged in the sense that we have embryos remaining and we still have an attachment to that so we are expanding our family we've met with and have a new surrogate we're completing our journey this time in mexico city where we have our own program and pathway so we're really putting our heart and our embryos where our mouth is because we believe in this real ethical route so, yeah, we are embarking on baby number three. So, watch this space. <laughs> well, it's
0: very exciting. And I love the fact that you are literally walking the path for those that you are then providing the service for. It doesn't get more of a testimonial than that, does it? Of you no. having literally lived and breathed it. Mike, as always, thank you so much for just explaining everything and for the campaigning that you've done and all that you do. And I love that we can continue working together. I'll put all Mike's details in the show notes. Also, as a reminder of the Modern Family Show. So if this is an area that you're wanting to understand more about for your organization, then this will be the perfect opportunity for you to go and hopefully not be too overwhelmed. Because, yes, there is a lot of information to get your head around, but it's just small steps, isn't it?
1: it really is and just take your time do your research do what feels right and thanks lovely as always to chat to you now
0: such a lovely conversation with Mike and as you heard Becky and Claire say at the start we just love working with Mike and Wes to provide ongoing support for people coming up against hurdles at work regarding their family building and as you heard Mike say there the mail conversation this webinar that we've evolved is brilliant and we're really excited to be sharing it with more organisations now if this is of particular relevance to you do get in touch you can email us info at work.com or you can just book in a call with us via our website if you've learnt something new and you want to share this podcast please do even better if you'd like to leave us a review as we're back with series two That would be hugely appreciated. Plus, it also gives you a chance to subscribe so you don't miss our weekly episodes. Just reviewing and acknowledging this podcast really helps others know it's worth a listen because the podcast world is so busy. I'm sure you've got loads lined up to listen to. So we really appreciate it. Do follow us on our socials at Fertility Matters at Work on LinkedIn and Instagram and on X with Foot Matters Work. You can access our free resources, including our white paper and policy pointers via our website, fertilitymattersatwork.com, where you can also sign up to our newsletter to stay up to date on our free webinars.